Welcome to Recap, the podcast where we cover some of the latest news featured on our social media pages. We try to find the news that matters most to our voters, and we encourage legislators to not only listen, but to also act on what they hear. I'm your host, not Joshua Hyde, Francine Dash sitting in for Joshua, who unfortunately is out sick. And joining me today in studio for the most part, except for our friend Alex, uh, is Anthony Arnold, distinguished writer. I, I believe you're calling yourself the greatest of all time. Yep. Not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Humberg, who is also a distinguished writer on the team mm, and mm. a musician, I just found out. Mm-hmm. Awesome, you. Um, and we have our special guest, Brandon Clark, who's been sitting in with us for four of our episodes now. Really Hello. glad to have you. Thank us. you. And last but not least, our distinguished almost doctor, Alexander Crohannon. He's joining us um, via Zoom today. Hi, Alex. Hey, everyone. I am so glad that you all can join me today. We're going to have a very special and kind of a deep discussion, an intimate discussion. Um, since uh, a lot of our states are changing their laws or their views about women's health and reproductive rights, uh, we're going to have to make some real-life decisions about what that means for us, our families, and our loved ones. So we're going to get into that discussion later, but before we dive into that, Anthony, give us the polls, please. All right. Polls drop every Friday on our social media pages. We love to interact with you guys. We love to hear what you think. So when you see them, respond. Uh, Let us know how you feel. The poll this week, For this episode, uh, we're going to do the Biden employee review. So uh, President Biden was hired two years ago with several goals in mind. He was to execute those goals and set the stage for further change that his voters wanted to see. However, he went out of his way to ensure that he was hired to serve everyone, not just those who voted for him. Whether you voted for him or not, if you could cast a vote or no vote of confidence for Biden, Would you vote to keep him in his position, or would you look to hire someone else? If you vote to hire someone else, who would you hire to replace him? Um, So, I'll go go first, because I want to give everybody some time to think about their answer if they have someone specific in mind. So, I, I answer this in our Slack channel, and I'll just sort of repeat the answer I gave there, which is that, I would say no confidence. I've not been, and I I did vote for him. I haven't been thrilled with the Biden presidency. I don't, I think some of the concerns about, this just sounds ageist, but look, (laughs) my dad is in his late 70s. I love my dad to death. But he slowed down over the 30-odd years that I've been on this earth, and I've been able to visibly see him slow down. And he'd be the first one to tell you, I'm not the man I was at 55. Like, I'm, oh. I'm not the man I was at 65 either. Yeah, I think some of the concerns about Biden with the age, I think they are playing out. I think he has seemed like his, his energy level is flagging. It's, it's a brutally hard job. And I do think you have to ask, in his next term, he would be like 83, 84 when he started the job. It, can you do like what is maybe the hardest job in the history of the earth in your mid-80s? I would not want to be president in my mid-80s. Like we, It almost killed Clinton. Barack <laughs> went from having a full head of black yeah. hair to gray everywhere. Mm-hmm. George Bush like aged in dog years. Donald Trump did not seem like he aged well in four years. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I, I, so no, I would say no confidence. And when I asked who would I would vote to replace him, this is a pure pick about politics, not my personal views. Just disclaimer. I think someone like Bashir from Kentucky is the kind of Democrat with the best chance to win over the voters you need to win to get to the presidency. It's not that I agree with what Bashir wants to do, but the goal is to win and keep out the tyrants. <laughs> Andy Bashir, Governor Bashir, a moderate Democrat is better than tyranny. So definitely give me the right. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, give me the one who I'm like, if he can win over a few of those extra swing independent voters, then, you know, that's what I'll prioritize. Even if I don't agree with all of his views, um, I want the Republic to keep going. <laughs> so definitely, definitely. So then uh, Alex, I'm going to go to you next because I know we had kind of talked about this one. So you may have a specific candidate in mind and then we'll go to uh, Brandon, Nick. And we'll finish. We'll finish with uh, the boss lady herself. <laughs> Um, I too am going to have to vote no confidence. Um, largely, and this isn't actually like a fault of the, uh, of the, like of Biden himself. This is largely like the, the Republic is unwieldy. Um, you have a very slim majority in the Senate. You have a very slim majority in the House and, uh, telling people, well, the fancy man from West Virginia uh, says no. Um, that just doesn't that doesn't work. So you're the president of the United States. You don't don't let a single like you're gonna let a single senator tell you what to do. You're gonna let a single senator blow up your entire administration. I mean, I guess that's on you. Uh, so I'm not, I I'd have to vote no confidence. Uh, as for who I would prefer, um, I'm going to say Timothy Walt. Um, so Walt is a, uh, uh, sorry, Walt is a, uh, is the Minnesota governor. Um, he's from the Democratic Farmer Labor Party, which cool is party. Uh, the main, yes. Um, so, uh, which is the Minnesota Democratic Party, but um, it, uh, uh, obviously has a like say um has a it was a union of the Democratic Party and the um uh, farmer labor party back in 1944 and this has more uh you know leftist roots. That's what I was going to ask you because it's a different faction of the Democratic Party, correct? Like yes, okay, because that group has had yeah, okay. and Walls is also a um. Uh, he was a teacher before he was a uh, before he was a congressman. He's also a military vet. Um, he hasn't shown any like desire to do any more than like the governor of Minnesota. But I think he uh, for similar just politically, um, governors do very well, and uh, I personally like his record. All right, I don't love all of it, but it's good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Brandon. Sure. Um, I, I, I'm going to have to, uh, go ahead and, and, uh, s sort of half disagree. I would vote, I would vote confidence in the current administration. I have, uh, I would agree with Alex, um, that my 
piece of no confidence comes uh, how he's administrating the Democratic Party uh, in the legislature. He should be absolutely bullying the crap out of Sinema and what's his face in, in West Virginia mansion. mansion in West Virginia. To, to, but uh, he did have some legislative wins this week. And objectively, the nation hasn't been overthrown. We're <laughs> at least a little bit through COVID. Um, I will say uh, a, a, a stunning, I think he, he, I have major confidence in his ability to um, deal with Russia on an international front. Um, we did not screw up the war in Ukraine. We called it out. We used our intelligence well for the like six weeks leading up to that. We were he was very clear. He was very clear with other world leaders, and I do think the success of or I don't I wouldn't call it a success right now, but the avoidance of major catastrophe in Ukraine um, is specifically because of this administration and the way they're using their foreign intelligence. That would have been um, categorically different had had this occurred two years earlier. So I will say that we avoided some massive stuff with that. I will agree that on, on the domestic front and the legislative front, there have been some disappointments with the lack of vigor that he that he seems to bring to it. Um, I, I guess I would have to pick Gavin Newsom. I don't really care for his politics, but if we're going to pick the person with the best name re- recognition right now, um, I do think Bashir, he's from Kentucky, right? Yep. Um, you got a Midwest person, Minnesota. You got more of a, a less of a coast. I think those are those are good ideas. Um, I would just pick Newsom right now because it can't be Biden again. He's too old. Um, you guys Kamala, are mean. Kamala's Kamala's um, <laughs> fine. Um, I'm. Uh, I haven't heard a whole lot from her. I appreciate that she came to Indiana uh, recently to yes. to uh, it. It. I'm not sure if it helped a whole lot because, but you know, the, the reality of what it is. But I picked Newsom just for now, just so we have someone with a lot of name recognition. Uh, so we don't lose the name recognition battle in the general election in two years. All right. I like that answer. So um, my initial answer was going to be no, but after <laughs> you saying all that, I'm like, hmm, maybe that's uh, maybe that's unfair because I actually don't know a lot of what Biden has done in terms of his his whole yeah. His this week was a good career. was a good. This is a good week. This was a good week. <laughs> Every yeah, other week yeah, was yeah, terrible. Really I mean, I, weeks. I haven't heard okay. anybody in real life say they think Biden's crushing it. Yeah, well, um, I, I <laughs> yeah, that's it, fair. Yeah, He's I haven't heard anyone. I haven't heard anyone in real life say Biden's <laughs> flubbing it either yeah, because I just don't hang out with Republicans. But <laughs> I've heard plenty of people at the bar say that this one dude at the bar just does not shut up about it, and he. Uh, he just there isn't anything good you can say. You can just say they're not getting their agenda through. I think is the is what is what the Republicans think is going on right now. It's right. like he's yeah. just not he's not bullying people. He's not getting and that's why he's failing. Okay. And if that's why you think he's failing, I I'm I I don't accept that. I don't accept that <laughs> argument. But I do accept him not not being harsher with people in his own party because the president now needs to be that because we don't have any ability to hold our legislators. Mm. Uh, accountable it seems so yep. that's that's worrisome so uh again it's it's not really a yes or a no anymore yeah. um it's i would have to think about it more and actually do a little bit of like actual looking up what happened yeah i think on a knee-jerk reaction no but that's because he was never going to be the person to do the things i wanted done <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my my replacement pick would either have been bernie sanders Equally older, person. an equally older mm-hmm. gentleman, but not for not for the age reasons, but for his political, mm-hmm. specifically his politics. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm going for the age angle, there was this Democratic politician uh, who was running 
in some race in either North or South Carolina. I don't remember where, but his whole stance was old people got to get out, got to go. I'm young. We need young people. Why are the dinosaurs making legislation when they're not going to be around for it? Yeah, that was that was basically his selling point. Not a bad selling point. Uh, no, yeah, and I was I like, mean, I think that would work on the. I was like, level, if I man. lived there, man, I'd vote for you. Right. <laughs> that was my only thought with that with that one commercial I saw you of this guy. So mean. <laughs> mean. Look, it's not that old people are bad. It's that the old people running the country are bad. <laughs> right. Yeah, the job is hard. Yeah. Like, and there's just no way There are no spring chicken. <laughs> right. Like, I need you to work 70 hours a week for four straight years, and you're going to get intelligence briefings every morning that make you blanch. And be like, wait, what's happening? Like, do, do I also, you want to yeah, do that when you're rough, 80 yeah. years old? Yeah, like, I need you to be a real rough. person, too. Like, not, I don't need you yeah. to make 875000 a year. I want you to be, like, a, just a regular-ass person who's right. dealing with... The information right. as it's coming in, yeah. right? Yeah, not so much. That's so scripted. Mm. That's right. but so that's my 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 two replacements: either Bernie Sanders for the politics because I like him, or um, the guy from one of the Carolinas whose platform was the young will inherit the yeah. earth. Yes, <laughs> yes, I'm on board with that. Okay. All right, Francine. Okay, I was wondering where you're going to go nope. with that. Um, well. I guess I have a different take on it. First of all, I would vote confidence. And I would vote confidence irrespective of age because I'm really trying to deal with any sort of biases that I have, right, including age. I really want to look at a person's ability to do a job and take into consideration how difficult it is to do that job. Uh, Biden is coming in after a very, uh, like, kind of contentious time in the transition from one president to another and is trying to not only bring in policies, but he's trying to reestablish what it means to be a president. I think that he will be more highly regarded historically for having done that than he will during this time because most people are going to want him to be a hammer in response to the hammer that we just survived in order to hammer back some of the remaining issues. And I get that on a human level, but at some point you have to decide how many of the quote-unquote devil's tactics you won't use to make the changes that you know you need to make so that they can stick. So I, I take a different perspective. I will stick with the person who will stick with the people. And I, I tend to be a loyalist in that regard, unless I see something in you where you're just out for power or self. And this is an office that was meant for some level of selflessness. And uh, Biden has, has, has been uh, for all of his human flaws and what have you, he's been a reflection of that as much as we have seen in recent years. And I do not want that to go unvalued. So for that reason, I would give him a vote of confidence. And I would also champion him in on because I would rather have an, a president of character die in office than to just have somebody who anybody, just because they're, Younger, that might be fine, but 
there's something with morals and what you stand for, your personal constitution, that thing has to matter as well. Because whatever a person get, whoever they are when they're elected in the office, that comes with them. Uh, and I want to be able to trust that he's bringing people with him so that when and if the time comes when God calls him home, then whoever the seconds in command will be, then we will rise to support that person, hoping that they will bring the same type of honor that we're missing. And we're a long way from where we need to be. We're a long way. So we're going to need a lot more people like that, but selfless leadership to come into place. And I don't want to be overly romantic about it, but there is an honor that I believe needs to be restored. Definitely. You know, because the office has been whored out for uh, way too long. Mm. Mm-hmm. Biden should hire you for his reelection. Mm. <laughs> you gave about the best defense yeah. of Biden. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a good pos- one. You no, gave yeah, like the I've, best defense of Biden. I've ever heard. Probably be busted, <laughs> honestly. And, and the but problem is, is we became so used to that other nonsense over the past <laughs> yeah, four yeah. years that I feel a visceral need to hammer back. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I, yeah, right. Yeah. I feel invigorated. But, like, I feel patriotic now. I'm, yeah. Right, because right, of that speech. Goddamn America. Goddamn America. You are right. I am used to being hammered the past like four years, both. Metaphorically and yeah. sobriety wise, yeah. Um, but like, uh, yeah, I do. I do really. I don't need to be so, you know, ready to hammer back. We should. You know. Well, that's that's why my morality pick was uh, Sanders because I right. agree with all of his respective politics, regardless right. of the fact that he's also a dinosaur. Right. <laughs> but he's been he's been this way mm. since he joined politics. Not a dinosaur, but his. his I know. His, I get what you're saying. Yeah. He's yeah. been. Um, consistent in a lot of ways but for whatever reason he didn't win um where he needed to win Mm -hmm. that doesn't void his voice and it doesn't void the message i don't believe that the messages die just because somebody doesn't win an election Mm -hmm. i think that just means someone else has to take up that banner right especially if the needs are still there so i'm all about fulfilling and meeting the needs of americans uh where we are so thank you for that poll. Yeah. Good poll, uh, good yeah. poll, good poll. Yeah. No, thank you. Thank you everybody uh for your answers. Uh wonderful as they as they typically are. So, um Go ahead, Francine. Because <laughs> take us to the next. Okay, good. I just want to let yep. you finish. So, we're going to transition right now to over to Alex. And Alex is going to talk to us about some trends that we need to start paying attention to. Alex, what do you have for us? Some uh, more news and um Billionaires being bastards. Um, Is that the headline? <laughs> always. I knew it was the headline. Guys, just take note. That is the title of a future article. <laughs> specifically, so specifically, uh, the bastard in question today is Elon Musk. Okay. Mm. He's your favorite. Let's go. I'm going to, just for the record, I'm going to try to defend him. I'm gonna, I try to give the other side. Don't hurt me, Alex, but go ahead. <laughs> So uh, recently, in uh, I say um, file, I say uh, files have come out, and he has confirmed on Twitter um, that uh, he never intended to build the Hyperloop. So for those um, who aren't familiar, so the hyper, uh, so California was looking at so California has a people problem. Specifically, they have too many people in too compact a region who need to go to other places. 
So uh, they were looking at high speed transit between um, several uh, um, for between several of their cities as an alternative to reduce the number of the amount of smog in their cities to uh, and for, for, to reduce the number of cars on the roads to provide people like a like a greener uh, route of transportation from one place to another. Um, but after hearing this, um, Mr. Say Mr. Musk said, "Well, why why would you do that when um, you could do this hyperloop idea, which is this high speed transportation system um, uh, that so it say so it uses uh, capsules or pods, yeah, and then you use I've a seen, partial I've vacuum." I've seen diagrams for it. I mean, it seemed really neat and really. The Jetsons. Jetson, yeah, yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Really Jetson-esque. Uh, but it didn't, for me, it didn't seem like it was really going to happen because I only saw schematics. I didn't see the part, the plan, that the implementation plan. He wants to be Tony Stark so, so bad. bad yeah. <laughs> so he had kind of suggested this idea of, uh, of the hyperloop that would, um, that would stretch from the uh, northern part of um, Washington and run down to the southern tip of California, servicing that whole region. That sounds cool. I mean, yeah, and, and it would have been. It's a potentially had it worked potentially, um, and then but we, like I said, we had uh, found out that. Um, he uh, had no intention of ever going through with it. It was just a ploy to um, get them to to get them to not do high speed rail. Let me ask you this: How did we find out? What 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 did we find out that made us believe that he did never intended? Because that's a pretty big charge. Uh, well, he said it on Twitter. Oh, okay, that would do it. Wait, you're telling me he this confessed. guy, yeah, has never in, has done, had never intended to do something. What about the Twitter thing? Did he ever really intend Did to he? buy that either, or ever really intend to have full self driving? Or that's, uh, that's an right. excellent wow. question. It's ruining confidence across the board. Yeah. He did shoot that thing into space, though. That's oh, pretty cool. True. Yeah, he did that. He intended to do that for sure. <laughs> he actually never intended to do that. It just sort of happened that oh, way. Really? Okay. <laughs> no, I have no idea. It's all about the happy accident. Happy, happy oh, yeah. accident. All about the happy accidents. He's just tripping and falling to everything good, huh? Yeah. It's probably a, like a poorly kept secret that like most automotive industries don't like public rail because. Well, it's it would taking mean fewer business. cars. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. taking business. So. Um, however, as I, and Elon Musk, you know, largely also said, it's like, I want to sell electric vehicles. I don't want to build high-speed rail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th that was going to be my other question. Was there ever a recognition of conflict of interest? But when you say that, <laughs> maybe there was a recognition, but maybe it came late. Um, so now what? What's the now what part? Um, well, um, and this is a call to action. The people of California... Uh, should sue him. Get him. Yeah. Destroying their public infrastructure. Wait, a minute. wait, 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 wait. He's going to have a lawsuit from Twitter and the state of California. 
Oh, I really hope so. so. Yeah. This is is my call to action, people of California and uh, other lawyers who just want this. But what's the difference? Maybe this dude was just thinking out loud. Maybe this is how rich people think out loud. Not all rich people do this. (laughs) Only Elon, like. Yeah, he does this. Like, was there a contract? When you say lawsuit, what contract did he sign promising to develop this? Look, he would probably win the lawsuit, but. People should make it clear that, like, don't take us on a ride. Yeah, we're not gonna go down without. But a it's fight. sort of it's like so it's sort of so like cool da- dating somebody who thinks you're gonna marry them, but you just simply intended to date them and see. Right. right? <laughs> so now she's gonna sue him because he didn't marry her. Is that what we're I saying? Mean, well, no. If he said, "Yeah, I'll marry you," then yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you went and bought a house and a ring and a car and all that stuff because he thought you were gonna get a hyperpod or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, it didn't and through, then at right? the end, he was like, "Ah, never yeah, mind." That's ah, kidding, JK, JK. I was gonna say because this was like this was this wasn't uh well we're just dating it was hey I I love you and I want you to call off your engagement call off your engagement stop the wedding and uh, if they and I'll if they, I'll take care of it just just come here and live with me I'll I'll take care of everything. I mean, Elon is wildly irresponsible with his public with his public platform. Million like, percent, million percent. Like much more so than other billionaires. Like Jeff Bezos is plenty of irresponsible in his own private dealings. Just look at his own private dealings. But he doesn't like go around on Twitter just antagonizing the whole world because he was bored and got high. <laughs> Elon's like, I just smoked some good fucking weed. Let me propose a harebrained ass idea and promise to throw a couple billion behind it. No. This was the whole thing with the submarine thing. Where he was like, oh, I can build a submarine to rescue that. the kids. He just fucking got high and yeah. was like, I should attack a guy on Twitter. No. Don't uh, do that. Or say, I say, or the uh say uh WHO gives me a plan and I'll sell, uh, say uh you know for under this amount of under like thirty billion dollars or something and I'll solve world hunger. And they said, Great, right, here's the plan. And he said, Yeah. Exactly. Ah. Well, it's just going to ultimately, he, he's going to become that, that joke, right? Was that guy that called cries wolf or yep. chicken little or something yep. like that? And, you know, we tend to overhear people just because they have money anyway, but he'll just be like your uncle that always has some fascinating idea, but he never does anything. Like, yep. you, prompt, you've been, yeah, yeah he's yeah. been sitting here for the last 30 years. The, so, sometimes he does do random cool stuff and it's like really hard to it's really hard to pair or to to mesh those two i like right. i shouldn't trust this man but he also does things that we didn't seem to think were possible so there's the, there's that and so you it's a leap of faith each time mm. and i i think it's gonna get i don't want my c i don't have i don't want to have to yeah, <laughs> yeah put a, yeah. a leap of faith into I, a ceo I, I, or I a government I administrator or i don't want to go to mars i want to be able to eat yeah <laughs> yeah. Like yeah what here. a concept yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what a if concept. i can't eat here how am i supposed to eat on mars <laughs> Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this segment. Uh, Alex, I'm going to let you have the last word on it. If you have anything else to wrap up with your friend. Uh, I try not to trifle with uh, the uh, ongoings of bastards. So enough. uh, (laughs) Then there's that. There you have it. That's a great shirt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to trifle with uh, musings of bastards. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you, Alex, for bringing us our, your, your report of your constant love affair with our <laughs> latest billionaire. Thank you for that. that is oh, awesome. Sorry, I say, um, not only was sorry, one more bit. Uh-oh. Not only was it on Twitter, uh, it was a it was an announcement to his biographer. What yeah. the frick? Okay, <laughs> come on, man, shut yeah. up. That's his biggest problem. Yeah, yeah, he has yeah. weed. His weed makes him talk too much. He needs the napping weed. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> 
All right. This next bit here, I want to highlight some of the work that our writers are doing here and, and just give a little shout out to a couple of articles on our website, some of the latest articles. Please feel free to check out our website at pointcast.news, not .com, not .net, pointcast.news, just like it sounds. And I want to start with you, Nick, uh, your latest article, Gender, What It Is and How It Exists in Politics. Give us a little bit about what the article is about and what you want people to take away from it. So to put it pretty bluntly is that the, the article mostly is about, A, what gender is, the social construct of it, just to avoid confusion. It's not about your biological makeup. It's about the ideas we associate with gender that is tangentially based on your biological makeup. So, for instance... Biologically, you're there's men. Biologically, there's women. There's a lot of in, you know stuff that goes on. If you're trans, we're gonna we're gonna leave that where it is, but it is valid. Um, hang on, <laughs> I, do that? I forget how to breathe sometimes. Okay, he's t- he's excited. Yeah, um, I'm I'm excited. I thought I was gonna go second. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> but so the gender roles that come with the the binary of the the gender dichotomy of men and women. Um, how that breaks down in politics. And then I think, and then one of the things that I wanted to talk more on, but didn't really get a chance to, I tacked on at the end is the fact that um, race also plays a significant role Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. gender and politics. It's not, I can't talk about just gender when it comes to politics because it discounts so much of what goes on in uh, America, but it's like also frankly the world. Um, the part of, part of the end of it is that the fact that to bring the, the bit of trans people back up that portion, which is talked about in there is that for the LGBTQ pride parade, which does include gender in that is that black trans women are the reason that that's a thing that, that, that they're fighting against gender norms is the reason that there's even a pride parade to begin with. Um, and that can't be discounted in the realm of gender and politics and where they intersect. And you talk about that in the section of your article where you simply call it the intersection of race and gender politics. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go into that history a little bit. Yeah. That was a pretty fascinating bit. I wish I, I had no. You didn't know about that. Yeah, I didn't know anything uh, about that before. I wish I had done more in that section. Um, this is just like a personal gripe on my front. I wish I had done more there and Likely in the future, I will dedicate an article to that specifically because it deserves its own, its own article. Totally agree. Totally um, agree. But the takeaways that I would say are worth taking away from, from that article are, A, gender is, by definition, a social construct. We decide what it is, and it has changed rapidly and repeatedly through culture. Um, I think one of the things I quote in that is that Franklin D. Roosevelt and the people, the peers of his time, when the, from zero to eight, everyone would just wear white dresses. I know. <laughs> like, that was, and pink was a boy's color. Pink was a boy's that. color. Ex- yeah. yeah, absolutely. So this thing, this the things that we um, associate with gender and the roles flip-flop constantly. Um, and then the next takeaway I would want is the during the trans portion of it, the statistics that come with that, Francine, if you're looking at it, could you read me um, the... I actually just 
skipped past it. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you have some great statistics in here. Well, why don't we do this? I want to encourage people to t- definitely take a look at that article because you lay it out very well mm-hmm. and you talk about, I've just gone back to it, the statistics that you laid out, what, towards the end? Mm-hmm. There's a section about um, violence towards trans people, trigger warning here, and the statistics that come with that. Um, right. About 24 women at any given time, women remain less than, oh, this is the elected officials part. You, you have a lot of statistics. I do have a lot of statistics in that one. <laughs> okay, this is the sexual harassment, at least a small problem in their workplace, 36% versus 35%. I don't know what that's referring to. That's the gender inequality. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, I can't find the specific right. statistics. But again, what I think is important is that people realize that like you said before, the construct of gender, the construct of race mm-hmm. intersecting mm-hmm. and how that plays out in politics. Yeah, there's there's a great deal of the to, to summarize um, this. Most of the statistics, including the trans portion, is that there is a ton of violence that comes towards people in this intersection. And I was not aware that that was still happening. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of disgusting for me to kind yeah. of find um, out about. To, for, to know that was still that people are still going through this. Yeah. For instance, um, conversion therapy has a 50% suicide rate. One in two kids who are put in conversion therapy try and or succeed to kill themselves. Tr- trigger warning. Um, it is not a fun subject, but it is an important subject to talk about because, yeah, a lot of these horrible things still happen. They're just kind of brushed under the rug more often than not. Or... Um, like the homeless population, deemed appropriate based on the idea that they're less than human. You know, that sort of, that sort of like belief system that acceptable, uh, what's, there's a phrasing for it. It's like acceptable. casualties are acceptable. Yeah, it's something, it's something terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. is. But that's, that's what I think the takeaway should be. Gender is a construct. Race plays a huge role in that. And uh, respect trans people because they're dying. And black people can be trans people. That's something that's always left out of that conversation. Yep. And part of the reason I added in that intersectionality of color. Yeah. Because in race, because it's a big thing. If we default everything to being white, we leave out the people who are generally mostly affected by it, which are non-white people. Well, I really appreciate your article. I really appreciate the heart that went into it and all the research. And I hope that when people go to the website and read this article, that they'll walk away much more informed about the lives of people who are possibly dealing with this in ways that you probably can't even imagine and have a little bit more empathy Mm -hmm. uh, for these folks. I want to shift gears and talk about the article that um, you wrote, Anthony, America's apathy toward murder. Now, one of my favorite lines in your article is sometimes you must simply eat your vegetables. Yeah. Relate that to the apathy toward murder. What were we talking about there? So, there are two big concepts in the article, right? The first is that our elevated murder rate predates everything. Like if you, it, it predates COVID, it predates the George Floyd protest. It predates the war on crime of the nineties. It predates the war on drugs and the drug sales and the, the increase in gun sales that came about in the eighties mm-hmm. for the article. I went back and looked it's like the lowest murder rate the U S has had in like the last 60 years would be 
two to three times higher than the highest murder rate that like the UK has experienced. And let's just let's just, let's let's just hold there right. for a second because I don't think people realize right. what that is. We have never been as no. good off as we think no. we have when compared to other our peers. The countries we like nations. to compare ourselves to. Right? We're talking about a national, you stand right. national. Exactly. Okay. Right. I have a quick question. Does yeah. that the rates also include population size? Yes. Yeah. 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 This okay. is like so, per one hundred thousand. All right. Like so even capita. even yeah. though UK has a smaller yes. population, our murder yes. rate, when compared equally, is still yeah. much higher. Like I put Come in on. the piece, I believe it's something like uh, the UK had a murder spike in the early 2000s, and it mm-hmm. was like 1.8. 1.87 homicides per 100,000 people. That was a that was a murder spike. That was like, oh, my God, we've never been below like four or five. <laughs> we've never been below four. They panicked there at 1.8. We are thrilled at four. Like, what I say in the piece, I describe it this way. Our valleys are higher than their mountains. This is another reason why we should move, Francine, Which because is. we'll be less likely to get murdered so by exactly. a wide margin. We're going to have like a margin. whole plethora of reasons. This is blowing my mind. And <laughs> so when I say we have to eat our vegetables, I mean, we have to accept we are spectacularly violent. And yes. we have been for like 60 years. And so this whole discussion about gun violence as a new thing is right. not really a it's, new it's thing. It's not new. I, and and I went and looked back. I mean, there are peer countries like in Japan that have a murder rate beneath one, which is just like so laughably yeah. inconceivable for the U.S. We yeah, don't. Yeah, and they had samurai there. I mean, so they had, yeah. Imagine they, having right. a world-renowned gang and your murder rate right. is below <laughs> is below like one. And so we the way we conceive of the problem is wrong. We yeah. just are what we consider a worthy goal would cause political outrage in literally every other peer country they would go like the murder rate in indianapolis is something like 27 per 100 like it's like what are you doing like Mm -hmm. so that's the first part about eat your vegetables the second part is you have to ask the hard question if we remove all of these factors we blame and we're still left with it is it us is it a cultural apathy that is leading to us systemically devaluing people being murdered for 60, 70, 80 years. And what does that say about us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it might be us. Might right, be us. Might be right. Us. You can't blame <laughs> these other, you know, in the piece I say, if it was something like we were doing okay and then we got sick and if we fix the, the thing, we'll be better. But right. I we saw were, that in the article. We were yeah. never okay. Right. There's no. Are we the baddies? Are we the baddies? Yeah. Right. Wait, are we the bad guys? Right. So <laughs> that's the eating your vegetables part. And that leads to the other second concept in the article, right? Which is at the end, I go this concept of, I take the cathedral of Notre Dame. I go, it took 200 years to build. Very, very good. good right. Strategy. Yeah. So this is how you have to think about this, right? The people who started building it and when they conceived of it, they knew it would not be completed in their lifetime. We will die before we see this cathedral built. We do not know the future generations who will benefit from it. We do not know what they will look like. But you have to dedicate yourself to this project of building this thing, knowing you will not see it be completed. Mm -hmm. Solving something like the murder rate is the same sort of, you have to conceive of it as a project that will span lifetimes. None of us will see this solved. I put in there, if you think crime is an economic problem, well, you have to fix the American economy. It's going to take you a long ass time. If you think the problem is that people have lost touch with God, you better get them to go back to church. Good luck, because you're going to need a long, long time. If you think the problem is guns, 
we have over 300 million of them. It took Australia like a decade, and they only had like 20 million. We have three. The, whatever your solution is, it will take you lifetimes to build it, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. like it took lifetimes to build Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it took lifetimes to maintain it. Right. 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 So those are the two concepts of the article. Eat your vegetables and deal with what the hell this problem is. But eat your vegetables and realize fixing it requires each of us to dedicate ourselves to a project larger than ourselves. And that's what's really key about this article. And when people go to the website to take a look at it, it really, really takes some time to read. A lot of study and a lot of homework has gone into putting the statistics together and helping people to understand how the murder rate is even calculated. Right. There there had to be a premise from which to start. And Anthony uncovered something really, really unique. I'm not going to give it away, but definitely take a look at the article. And I think you'll be surprised at how we capture murder rates and um, to make our numbers look better than what they really are. So definitely take a read of both this article from Anthony and also gender politics from Nick. I'd like to thank you both for all your hard work. And getting the word out to people, that is what we're doing at PointCast. That's what we're trying to do. So definitely go to our website. Now I want to end on our discussion. We're a little bit over time. But I definitely want to go into the discussion space and spend a good few minutes on this. Because I think it's really important to have uh, men in your generation who are talking about uh, the recent recent turnaround on abortion rights some people say family rights, some people say health care, whatever we call it. For me personally, I don't think it's any of my business what another woman does with her body and the care of her doctor, caretaker, or whatever in her life. That's not my space. Um, but I really want to kind of go into this, and I want to preface it with my own little story. First of all, I was not in a situation where um, I had – the abortion option put in front of me because we didn't realize that my pregnancy was at risk. This is for my daughter. Uh, We found out during late in the pregnancy, like two weeks before I was due, that there was something going on. And so I had to make a decision. And my decision was save my child, do whatever you can to save my child. That was going to do natural, but they had to ultimately do the surgery. And it was not the pretty surgery in the, you know, it's gnarly, but they saved my life and they saved my daughter's life. So I'm grateful for that. But in the process and in those moments, we didn't have time to go ask somebody what the qualifiers were going to be for me to make that determination or for my doctors or surgeons. There was no time. And I think we have a false concept of thinking that somehow there is time when a woman is Pregnant, the closest state you can be to death, they say, is being pregnant and then ultimately giving birth. So you're already at death's door. And with the mortality rate going up the way that it is, and we haven't properly addressed that, we're, we're putting women at risk by removing options that can save their lives. And when you save a woman's life, you're saving her family's life because when a, a family is stripped of its mom, it throws things like a dad, a parent, you, you throw the family dynamic off. So I say all that to say that it really troubles me that we have so easily here in the state of Indiana stripped women of the right to choose when it's important for them to make important choices that may have an impact on themselves, their lives, their child's life, their family's life, you know. And what I want to hear from each of you all 
because now we're all having to make personal decisions. Some people have decided to move. Some companies have decided to move. How has this decision moved all of you? All right. So I'm going to start, and I'm sort of taking a deep breath. I want to say up front, before I get going, I am pro-choice. And this may not be for the people in the room or Alex, but maybe some people who are hearing this. If you ask me, when does life begin? I will tell you what I have told to Alex before. You should ask your theologian or your philosopher because there is no one who can give you one concrete answer on this. This question is too complex. It is too complicated. You will only be guided to your answer by your own ethics and your morality. That is it. You have to look inside your heart and ask yourself what you think the answer to that question is. I am a person who does think that life begins at some point during a pregnancy. I have tried to think about the alternative answers, right? Alex knows because him and I have talked about it. And I just have not been able to come to an answer that satisfies my own my own self, which is the only one person I have to answer to, right? And so the issue of abortion, no issue. It, it causes me like a daily, almost like a daily moral, like moral collapse. Because on some level, I do think we're killing a life. And I think that sucks. And it makes me feel bad. But I know on the other side of this, you have to choose something. And I cannot live with the world where we deny women what Francine just, like where we deny women the right to choose because of what pregnancy means, because of how destructive it can be to a woman's life. It can kill them because of the consequences it can have that are unforeseen, right? That women have to have a choice. And I arrive at this even with what I believe about when life starts. I still arrive at this conclusion and does it make me feel good? No, it does not. I feel terrible about it. But sometimes being in a society means you don't get the thing you want. You have, sometimes you have to look at your own beliefs and go, despite the thing I believe, I'm going to choose something that causes me pain because it is the better of the two choices. Not that it's great, but it is the better alternative, right? Mm -hmm. And so- you know, I don't know. I haven't actually probably told people who are hearing this, like this is not something I share with people very often because I think my position is genuinely strange. The person who is like, I, I think life begins during pregnancy and yet I still am pro-choice because that's society. I don't think this is the thing. Pro-choice <laughs> doesn't necessarily, it doesn't create an argument of when right. life begins right. or doesn't begin for a lot of people. I think it simply leaves the matter to the mother, to exactly. the woman. And it's really, exactly. it comes down to autonomy. It comes exactly. down to what it really means to be free in America. And, and that is, we fought a whole war over a person's ability to control their own body. We, we fought a civil war over this. <laughs> We're like, no, no, only you get to control your body. And I go, yeah, that was kind of the whole deal. Like no one else gets to control what you do with your body. And the reason I try to get my perspective is I think a lot of people get trapped in that first question and they go, your answer to the first question, 
you may not be comfortable with the pro-choice position, but it is the correct one. And you don't, you may not feel good about it, but tough shit. Living in a society means sometimes feeling bad about the choices we make. So that's, that's me. This podcast has been brought to you in part by Eliac Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go to our website at pointcast.news, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on our Facebook page for more podcast articles and polls like we covered today. Thank you. I'll thank you, everybody, here for joining us today. And thank you all at home for listening. See you next time.